old people are quirky, right? That's that's right. But um, yeah, this is my first Sunday uh, with you. Uh, New Year. Happy New Year. Praise God. Well, a lot of things happened. I got one more grandchild. So now it's Luke and Lily. I hope the second one is not as, uh, I I don't know. Uh, Luke is something else. Uh, He talks so much. I, I, I cannot blame anybody else where he got it from, but but uh, yeah, it's like our conversation is like, look, stop talking. Can I talk two more times? Two more times. Okay, two more times. How about five? Uh, no, I would just want to talk all night and all day. That's what he's. That's last night, you know. So it's as incredible um, how much things he needs to express. Uh, <laughs> Well, Lily is still in the hospital, though. She's uh, born premature, so a little small. Uh, so another month, probably, in the, in the hospital. But she's all doing very well. She, uh, everything is good and beautiful little daughter of my, of, my, of my daughter. Hallelujah. I didn't do anything. Her father also didn't do anything. It's, like, it's only my daughter. So, praise God. It's a joy to be a grandfather. It's a great, great joy. All the joy and just a little bit of the responsibility, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's fun. Today we are talking about a life and call. We are alive. Thank God for that, right? Amen. And not you. How, you don't seem too excited to be alive, huh? It's good to be alive. It's better than dead. Right? <laughs> Sometimes people say, "It's good to see you." Yeah, it's good to be seen, better than viewed. You know, (laughs) yeah, all you young people don't know that joke yet because you have not gone to enough viewing just yet. So that's all right. It's better to be seen than to be viewed. Uh, it's, It's good to be alive. But not only that, to be alive and to have a calling, to have a purpose in your life, that's, that's, that, that, that is so much better than just to be alive. Many people don't know why they're, what are, they, what are they supposed to be if this life has any meaning? Why they're alive? And that's why they spend their living, their lives, just like everybody else. They don't know what to achieve. They just want to, well, I guess, alleviate a little bit of the suffering. If, we can, if I can live a little more comfortably, that's, that's all there is. And that is a very poor way to live. You've got to find your calling. So very excited about Kaleo. I hope all of you are Joining Kaleo, many, many, many people, many young people comes from all over the United States and um, all our churches in North America. Many of them are, are there. Who knows? You're going to find your mate, right? It's a good place to find. I mean, yeah, that's how my second daughter find her mate. It's a lead, IFGF leadership conferences. It's rigged, you know. <laughs> I thought it's a scam, you know, but... You know, that's where you find people, anyhow. But it's a, it's a good thing. Alive and called. Today we're going we're gonna to talk. How, okay, the, the first two weeks, right, I think it's profound. Because Pastor Steffi, and I, I, I'm sure here also, we're talking about, we abolished the, the word volunteer. Did you guys talk about that? Yep. Right? We, we are not talking about volunteers anymore. We talk about ministers serving and not volunteers, volunteering. It's 
a very big difference because volunteers, volunteers out of their magnanimity, you know, out of their greatness of heart and maybe pity or, uh, you know, generosity. And we volunteers give time out of their uh, uh, spare time. And it's uh, almost like an act of charity. I don't think that's the most appropriate attitude to have about God and about the work of the Lord. Don't you agree? Yes. Right? That's why we, we, we change it to serving, and you are ministers. You're serving. You're serving the Lord. Why, why, why do you do all these things? Well, I'm not volunteering because I'm not giving an act of charity towards God. I'm serving God. And I'm serving in his kingdom, and I'm serving doing his work. Why? Because he's my God. This is part of my act of service and devotion to God. It's not that he owes me. It's that I owe him. That's a much, much, not only better, but much more correct attitude to have in serving. Right? Amen? Are you, are you following these two weeks, that's, that's, I think that's the most important takeaway. Any, any ministry you have, it's a privilege because you're serving God. Yes. I, uh, you know, I, I, found, I, I found myself in that position also. Uh, Christmas Eve, the big, uh, the, the big service in, in Monrovia, I, I didn't have any assignments. So I was there at 8 o'clock in the morning helping my wife cook. Not cook, uh, you know, prepare sandwiches, taking out the trash and things like that. And, I, and I'm reminding myself, I'm the founder of this church. And I'm not speaking, I'm not even asked to pray closing prayer or anything like that. Because we in IFGF, we do not believe in polit politics and that kind of stuff in the church. But I'm reminding, as I was taking out the trash, this is just as worthy as anything else in the church because I'm doing this. Unto the Lord. And the Lord is not asking me to talk like Luke wants to talk all the time. He's asking me to help my wife. And I'm just taking out trash at 8 o'clock in the morning. When the great preacher, Pastor Stevie, has not even arrived yet. Ouch. Do you understand transition now? <laughs> Do you do you understand transition? Huh? Bitter. <laughs> no, not bitter. I'm better than that. If I'm bitter, I would not be talking about it in a sermon. I'm being, I'm being honest. Like some people cannot let go of that position that they create. Anyway, like, I'm, I'm, do you know how many churches I have? Yeah, like, just pick up the trash, boy. <laughs> ministry is a privilege Amen. ministry is a privilege whatever you do whatever you do it could be picking up trash it could be doing anything cleaning the carpet whatever it is as long as you have the right attitude that you're doing it for the Lord Amen so <clears throat> today it's about giving we are called to give I was, I was driving down the road today well okay <laughs> We had a little incident. I mean, uh, I guess I cut him off on the freeway, not knowing that it was him. <laughs> and, and then Connie just said, I was waving at you, and you did not even see me. 
well, I was busy conquering the road, like always. And then he reminded me of an incident maybe 20 years ago in Beverly Hills when, uh, when, we, uh, when we just started the church in Beverly Hills, right there on Benedict Canyon Road. It's a very narrow road. And, and we had a race also because we are both uh, wanting the, 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 the spot, the parking spot that is most convenient. And I, and I saw him. That one, I saw him. This one, I really didn't see you, okay? And I saw him like, no, he's not getting that spot. And I guessed the thing. And then in the process, you know, I hit a squirrel and the squirrel went flying up and both my daughters cried. Uh, very mature pastors we are. Uh, you know, just serving the Lord is like, if you don't believe in God's grace and mercy, that should be a testimony for you. God can work through fools, you know. <laughs> just notice I use the plural. <laughs> but today, today as I got off the car, he said, same vibe. <laughs> Different car. Same driver. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, actually, why, why all that problem? It's all, you know, I think, I was thinking about this, actually, as, as I was cutting you off on the freeway. Um, giving is the key of, to everything. Why we have problems on the road like that? Because you don't want to give up. <laughs> why do we get into arguments? Because we don't want to give in. We don't want to give in. We don't want to give up. And then our troubles, we do not want to give over to God. Right? And then when all things happen, then we, have, we struggle to forgive. See? See, everything has to do with give. <clears throat> right? Forgive. I was... It's funny, uh, this past week, uh, I... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing a discipleship, so I'm gathering people. And then I got a new guy coming to my little discipleship group that I'm doing. And then after, after that, he called me. It's like, yeah, Pastor, I, it's not that I do not want to join your discipleship uh, meeting, but there's the other guy. I cannot be in the same room with the other guy. <laughs> it's after... It's like, oh, I did not know you had beef with each other. And then I said, don't you think this is a setup? God is setting you up? Well, yeah, it's 10 years ago. It's just water under the bridge. I said, yeah, water under the bridge, but it seems like there's still poop stranded there somewhere <laughs> under the bridge. <laughs> I said, what? Yeah, the water may have passed, but the poop's still there. <laughs> like, Oh, that's right, Pastor. That is, I think the Lord is speaking. You know, yeah. And I said, why, why, why do we struggle to forgive? Well, because you think that for, the ability to forgive comes from your kindness. The ability to forgive is coming from your greatness or generosity of heart. Actually, forgiveness, true forgiveness comes from humility, not from kindness. It's from humility. Humility in what? Humility in acknowledging that God is a better judge than you in the matter. Amen. That's right. you, you want to know how to forgive? 
to forgive, to truly forgive, you have to be humble enough to say that, you know what? To me, this is a great injustice and I can't see why. But God, you are a better judge than me. So this matter, I give over to you. See, it always has to do with the word give. To forgive, you have to give over. And you have to give up your right to be a judge. You have to give up your right to, I'm righteous in this matter. I, you may be, but do you believe that the one that is really, really righteous is trustworthy enough to take care of this matter so that the, the balance of righteousness in the universe will not be tipped over? Sometimes we are so self-righteous, like, oh, I cannot let go of this, otherwise the, the balance, universe balance of righteousness will be messed up. Well, so I told them, the key is humility. The key is humility. When, you, when, we, talk, when we talk about forgiveness, do you really believe that God is a better and more qualified judge than you, because you messed up too. Amen. So that's that's all about giving. So even in giving, money things like that was also coming from humility, acknowledging like, okay, it's not mine. <laughs> I know I'm I'm pretty smart, aren't I? Because I make more money than so many other people. Well, who put that little brain of yours in your head? I mean. Have you ever heard, read the story of this great king, the greatest king of that time, Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, one day he was standing on the balcony of, of his palace and looking at all the kingdom that he has conquered. And he was like congratulating himself. Look at, <laughs> look at all the things I have accomplished with my hand, all my wisdom. I built all these things. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made king. And the Bible says that the Lord heard and decided to pull out a chip from his head. Poop! And then what happened was for three years, or was it three years or seven years? Seven years. For seven years, he was grazing on, the, on grass, eating grass like a cow naked. Until the Lord said, okay, you learned your lesson yet? You're going to still congratulate yourself how smart you are and how able you are. Just one chip pulled out. And when God put it, put it back, it's like, oh my goodness. Everything comes from the Lord. It's all, all yours. Every breath, every heartbeat, every kidney function, every brain function comes from you. All humility. It's so important. If you understand humility, acknowledging who God is, if you have given up and given over yourself to God and receive his lordship in your life, there's not going to be an issue, whether it's in ministry, serving, or giving, because it's not yours anyway. And you realize your position as a steward, not as an owner. Steward, meaning the manager of a household, entrusted with all these resources, but it's not yours. 
You're supposed to figure out how to use all these resources properly for the sake of his household, for his agenda, for his purpose, for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. I hope you will all be good stewards of the resources that you have in your hand, your brain, your education, your ability to think and reason, your opportunities, your background, your family background. That's a huge, huge deposit in your life. All that God arranged and put it together in your life to put you where you are today. I hope you understand that that's, that's not you. That was God. Amen. And that you are now a steward. Got to ask God, what do you want me to do with all this? What do you want me to do with all these things that you have afforded me, that you have allowed me to have? Amen. Right? So that should be the good, a good and proper attitude regarding ministry, service, and giving, and calling. So when you... Talk, when, when, when you go to Kaleo, learn about your calling, understand that that calling is afforded by all the resources that God has put in your life for a purpose so that you can accomplish something great for the kingdom of God. Amen. So with that, let me start uh, our message today from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want... You to know about the grace. Remember, it all started with this word grace. What is grace? It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's a gift. Right? The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. The Macedonian, it's a north of Greece. That's a that's the area called Macedonia. In, in, um, and... Uh, Philippi is there, Berea is there, Thessalonica is there. That's the whole area called Macedonia. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. That's a very strange combination. Welled up in a rich generosity. That's even a very strange Result of this very strange combination. Extreme poverty. Overflowing joy. <laughs> produce rich generosity. Nobody would have ever thought of that. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. And even beyond their ability. That means they stepped into the supernatural. They stepped into the supernatural. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. What is the service he's talking about? He was campaigning for his fundraising to help the church in Jerusalem who's having deep trouble uh, with famine at that time, right? And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. That is a, such a key statement there. 
That's how you step into supernatural giving. That's how. It's so, how, how can people in extreme poverty plead, pleading with Paul for the privilege of sharing in the service? It's like, Paul, please let me give. <laughs> you know, that's a very, very uh, extraordinary situation. And how did that happen? How did they, as they do that, and then they experience miracles, obviously, because they were able to give, they were giving beyond their ability. That means God supplies something miraculous there. <laughs> and that's what happened. And, and how did that happen? It's because they, first of all, give themselves to the Lord. They give them, what, what is it talking about? It's talking about their attitudes that I belong to God. Right? And then by the will of God, you know, so many people ask, how do you know the will of God? Well, first of all, if you do not give yourself over completely to God, you'll never hear the will of God. God is not even talking to you. He's, he's not going to waste his breath telling you what he wants unless... Unless you commit yourself that, yeah, you're my God. You have the right to tell me what to do. And if you, if you do that, then, okay, then I'll tell you what I want. But if you still, <laughs> my will, you know, God is your heavenly butler to help you get what you want. Forget it. You're not going to hear ever what the Lord wants. Maybe one, repent. That's it. That's all he's going to say to you. But you will never know what the Lord wants in your life, unless you give over yourself first to the Lord, right? By the will of God, also to us, meaning to the project that Paul is doing, which is fundraising for the church in Jerusalem, because there's a famine there. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in, for, in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So Paul is telling the people uh, in, in, in Corinth to excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So Paul is like, I'm comparing you to the people in Macedonia because they are worse off than you. They are so much poorer than you, but they give so much. So yeah, he's comparing them like, I mean, children these days will be very offended if they're compared to their siblings, but this is what Paul just openly said. I'm comparing you because I want to test the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. <laughs> don't just talk. Don't just have an intention. 
Don't just have great intention, but match it by completing it according to your means. According to your means. You know, I just want to make this comment. God is never asking you to give beyond your means. Right? One time I, 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 in the church, I received a pledge. I forgot how much it was, but like $135,000, something like that, from, from somebody that, well, I, I, not to be disrespectful, but I, I don't think this person have $135,000 laying around, you know. So I, I approached this person. I said, well, yeah, you know, not that I don't appreciate your pledge here, but are you sure this is, this is what, yeah, 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 that's what the Lord wants me to, to give. Well, are you sure it's not just your emotion? Normally people are not emotional in this way, right? But maybe I, I was that good that day in preaching, so I said, just in case. Are you sure it's not your emotion? No, 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 no. She insisted, and I said, okay, let me ask you this, a very personal question. Do you have $135,000 in your checking account? No. In your savings account? No. Then this is not from the Lord. And she was in tears, but I told her, I, no, you should not give this much. I don't think this is right because you're giving beyond your means. <laughs> I was feeling like, okay, God, I hope I'm not uh, making a mistake because you're about to do a miracle. So I said, look, if after this there is a miracle and you have $135,000 from somewhere, suddenly, you know, you get it in your account, then I'll allow you to give it to the church. But if not, you know, it's, it's okay to learn how to hear from the Lord. Yeah. And then, until today, I never heard. So, so I think I give the right counsel. Because my purpose is not to, to time to get money from you guys. What, I mean, what is, I, I have learned by now that all the, all the work we're doing is God's work. Amen. It's God's work. <laughs> Look, last year, 2023, the missions, all the stuff we are doing all over the world, now we are in 62 countries, <laughs> we're doing all kinds of things in the world. You know, I have no budget for it. There is no specific budget from the church to give a certain amount to the missions. I'm heading up this in the IFGF Global Missions with Pastor Ray, not knowing where the money's going to come from. <clears throat> This year also same. We don't know where the money's going to come from this year. But last year, $1.2 million flowed to our accounts. How is that? So, you know, it's <laughs> we are walking by miracles and provisions from the Lord. Money came from all kinds of sources that completely unbelievable. That $1.2 million does not even include a 30,000 square foot building that was given to us in Quetta, in, in Pakistan. It doesn't even include this. A whole school that was given to us, the building was given to us, and then the whole renovation, $65,000 renovation, were given and provided by the Muslims. 
Muslims in Karachi, Pakistan. That's the real ones, you know. By now I'm convinced that whatever we do, the, the Lord's work, he will supply it. And it's, it, that's never our motivation to get money, manipulating people to give money. That's never our motivation because by now I know it's the Lord's work, it's the Lord's supply, everything is the Lord. Amen. But here's, here's something that we all need to learn is that God uses people. God uses people. He puts something in our hearts, but we need to give according to his promptings. It's always within our means. He never asks you to give beyond your means. That, that's, what, that's why I told you that example earlier. However, in this, in this Macedonian church case, they were able to give beyond their means. Guess how it happened? Because the Lord did a miracle so that people can give beyond their means. Amen. That's what happened. Right. Let's continue. Our desire, verse 13, is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. God is concerned about equality. God is concerned about all these things. Uh, sometimes that's not so much in our culture, especially in U.S., uh, we learn this culture of we pull our own bootstraps and everybody's individuals. We don't, we don't really care for each other, even in the church. The original church in Acts chapter 2, people were selling properties if somebody is in need. And people don't like that. It's like, I don't want to do right? we, you know, We'd like to keep our boundaries and distances. That's why we prefer a setting like this where everybody is... Uh, sitting like this, facing forward, so you don't really have to care about the person sitting next to you. <laughs> the original church was sitting in a circle because they were breaking bread. We, we, we sit like this so that we are like watching a concert or com a comedian or, <laughs> or whatever it is, and we can be courteous to one another to the level of like, okay, we're watching the same the same thing together, and hello, how are you? But don't tell me about your struggles. Don't tell me too much about your life. I'm frankly not interested, and I want to live my life selfishly, self-centeredly. It's more comfortable that way than caring about other people. That was not the original church in the book of Acts. That was not that way. It's not a popular idea, I tell you. I might be losing people if I preach too much about this, I guess. Because that's not what the popular demand is. The popular demand is, give me a good entertainment up here, something worthy to watch, something inspirational to listen to, and I'll come, I'll enjoy, and I'll go home. Well, the corporate culture that we're supposed to build here is 
Go make disciples. No, 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 I don't want to go make disciples. I just want to come and be blessed. Let's make a corporate culture for the church. Come and be blessed. Nowadays, if you ask the average churchgoer on Sunday, what do you expect coming to, going to church? I want to be blessed. I want to be fed. I want to be, you know, my needs met. I want my kids to go to a good Sunday school where they can be, uh, you know, trained and, 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 and miracles can happen where they act like the devil the whole week and because of one hour at church, they turn into <laughs> angels. You know, whatever it is that you expect. <laughs> customer mentality. I'm a customer. God is my vendor. And the church is the agent. So give me what I want. <laughs> then I'll grace you with my presence. And I might tip you, you know, if I'm happy. That's most Christians on Sunday. That's the way they think. This, the church is like a shop. I go shopping. Finding what I need, what I want. Well, Ephesians 4 says, God gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. you the saints. I'm here to equip you. Not mainly to serve you, because you look all healthy anyway. I'm here to train you. So you do the work of the ministry. And most people say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be trained. I want to be served. Right? So, that's the problem. We need to... Be the church, the real church. Amen. Okay, Pastor Ray said amen. The rest is silent, just about what I expect. Uh, that's okay. But I'm tirelessly bringing the word of God, believing that the word of God will haunt you tonight. <laughs> and many nights after, you know, long after you forget about me, God's word <laughs> wakes you up at night. I have not lost faith in the power of the word of God. Amen. That's why I'm still standing here. Hallelujah. <laughs> but God wants equality. That's why we have world harvest. As, a, as, a, as, as something we can use to bring about this equality. Why? Because you go to school. The best school in Indonesia. You don't even speak Indonesians when you come here. Because your school is so good. that Everybody including the janitor speaks English. That's how good your schools are. <laughs> and, then you, and then you have so much money that, you, that your parents can send you to America you know, to, for, for, for university education. My goodness. That's nice. That's good. I'm happy for you. I'm one of them too. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> I was sent to America. Well, a little different situation back in the 80s. Cannot get into a university in Indonesia at that time. So this was my only option, going to school in the U.S. But still it takes that much money. But talk about how many kids can't even go to school for elementary education. In Indonesia, in India, in Pakistan. In Pakistan, a full one-third of all children there cannot go to school. So, what about equality? Yeah. That's why we have sponsored a child. $36 of, I'm not, this is not planned to be a, a World Harvest event, but do you have $36 a month? 
Would you die if you, of starvation if you give $36 a month sponsoring one of these children so they can go to school and to hear the gospel? Amen. God wants equality. $36 a month is barely, barely dents you in any way, in any significant way. I, I, I hope every single IFGF people at least sponsor one child somewhere. It's for them. It's not for me. You're not sponsoring me to have whatever. It is for the kids. They need to go to school. Otherwise, they'll never get out of the cycle of poverty. Do you think God cares about poverty? Yes. He cares that people are in poverty. He cares. Because that's not what he wants. Why are people in poverty? Because the devil reigns over there. Wherever the devil reigns, you'll see the countries there are so, so bad. Infant mortality is so high. You know, people don't, kids don't go to school. Yeah, I, we've, we've both seen so many. This one of the scariest things I've ever seen is a 12-year-old kid, drunk, smoking, holding an AK-47. That's a scary thing. I've met several of them in Congo. That's why we have these things. So if you are not sponsoring a child yet, here's a way you can fulfill Paul's wishes that there's some kind of equality. Amen. And then, I, I think right now, right about this moment, if I can measure your eagerness uh, meter, there's eagerness here. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, 36, I can do that. $36, I can do that. But by the end of this sermon, unfortunately, for many of you, that eagerness is already... And by the time you had lunch today, <laughs> it's but a passing memory. And then you might be moved right now with eagerness, but I, you know, by, this, by next week, I wonder how many would actually go to worldharvest.cc and click that donate you know, and, and sponsor a child. I wonder how many. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what, what Paul is talking about. Your eagerness is there, but it's not matched by action. That's what he was talking. So he's, our desire is that the goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. That's what he wants. And I, that's what the Bible says. That's what God wants. If you have a lot, great. Just don't have too much. So that people who do not have anything don't have too little. Right? Sponsor a family. How much is it? 30 huh? Is no, no, that's sponsor a child. There's a sponsor family, sack farming. These are people that cannot eat, right? We, we, we give them five sacks and, and plants so that they can plant their own eggplant, spinach, whatever, so that they can eat. $30 a month, right? $30 a month. In India, in places like that. Do you know that in India, in Mumbai, we do this? And in, during this... 
this uh, uh, pandemic, we did that because so many people are starving. Now, during these three years, 15,000 people have been baptized. People who before that were persecuting Christians suddenly realized the Christians are helping them. The Christians are reaching out to them with, 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 with these plants, uh, teaching them to plant. Well, we, the reason we did not just give them food is because you give them food, they eat it, it's gone. So we give them plants, five sacks, five drums now. We use plastic drums now. And then we teach them, we supply them with the seedling. And then our church people come every week to check on the plant. Yeah, we do check on the plant. But more than that, we build a relationship. We bring, we bring the gospel. And then now, as a result, we have almost 900 house churches established just during the pandemic in the city of Mumbai, in the, in the province of Maharashtra. $30 a month. You cannot even go to dinner these days. $30, not even one. So how about some equality? How about some, some equality? Right? That's what this is talking about. So 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 provided a glimpse to, into a crucial poverty relief effort that Paul undertook on behalf of, of the destitute believers in Jerusalem. He was organizing this in tandem with his missionary work. That's exactly what we do in World Harvest. Me and Pastor Ray, that's what we do. We're organizing poverty relief work in tandem with gospel preaching work. Because that's what people need. So the scope of this venture was pretty significant in ancient standards. Especially Paul was doing this for uh, a span of almost 10 years. He was constantly doing this. You can read it in so many different parts of the Bible uh, that he, you know, in Galatia and in, in, in Galatians and all that. He was talking about all this fundraising effort, right? <coughs> and um, one thing that we learn here is that generosity is not constrained by wealth. Because generosity is really a product of grace. Case in point, the Macedonian church, they were in extreme poverty. And yet they were praised by Paul for their extreme generosity. They're generous even in their poverty. And Paul was hoping to use them as means of motivating the Corinthians to give gener uh, generously as well. So how did that happen? That's why he em emphasized generosity is a product of grace. It's not a product of wealth. Many people think if, if I have a lot, then I can give a lot. Yeah. Well, no, generosity is a product of grace. If you're living by grace, if you live by grace and you understand grace in your life, then generosity is not constrained by wealth, God is able to uh, do his miracles. It's a product of grace. Right? In the midst of severe trials, 
overflowing joy. Why? Because, think about it for a moment. How can they be in an extreme trial and overflow with joy? How is that possible? Well, obviously, the source of their joy is not their welfare. Many Christians are joyful when everything goes well. Now, it's not that I don't appreciate when thing, things goes well, but Paul famously said, I am what I am by the grace of God. What does he mean by that? Now, everybody, okay, when he said, I am what I am, okay, I am what I am is really what most people are searching for in this life on earth. Who am I? Am I significant? Am I special? People are searching for self-identity. And the world teaches you that your identity comes from your accomplishments. Comes from respect for, that others give to you. Comes from what people say about you. Reputation. And all. So, Paul is saying, no. Those things are great, but something is much greater than that. Here's where my worth comes from. It's not from acknowledgement from people. It's not from my accomplishment. It's not from my reputation. Not even my legacy. He says, this is where my worth comes from. If the Father in heaven one day looked at me and decided that his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, is a worthy substitute for me because I was going to hell. And he thought he is worth it if I sacrifice my only begotten son. What can be more worthy than that. Have you ever considered this? That one day the Heavenly Father looked at you and decided that, yeah, it's, a, it's worth trading my son Jesus for you. I, I would even, I would advise against that when, if he's thinking about that. Like, I'm not worthy compared to Jesus, in my own opinion. I'm, Jesus is so, so... Jesus, are you serious comparing myself to Jesus? But when God decided to send Jesus to die in my place, that's exactly what he did. He's saying to me, you are as worthy to me as my son Jesus. That's why Paul says, I am what I am. By the grace of God. Not by my accomplishment, by what people say about me. No. Nothing can compare. Talking about my self-worth, nothing compares than this understanding how God looks at me, regarded me. I am precious in his sight. Much more than I deserve. That's what it means that I am what I am by, by the grace of God. Amen.
Poverty and generosity are not mutually exclusive. Isn't that such a true statement? So, how can we take steps towards greater generosity? Uh, Paul says something very interesting in verse 5. He said, they exceeded our expectation. Then he said, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. That's how. That's the secret. How can you take steps towards greater generosity in your life? Give yourself first to God. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So, the Macedonians' rich generosity started with them giving themselves to the Lord and then to others. And the Macedonians teach us that generosity doesn't start when you make an offering, but generosity starts when we surrender ourselves. So here it is. Generosity does not start with the offering. Generosity starts with surrendering ourselves. It's all about lordship. It's all about lordship. You know, but the, God loves a cheerful giver, right? That's a, yeah, I heard some preacher said, you know, don't give your tithes if you're, if you're sad about it, you know? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Well, what is, so cheerful, is that an emotion? Right? Cheerful is an emotion, right? My question to you, is your emotion always right? <laughs> Can you be cheerful about something wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've many times. I still remember the first time I went to meet my parents-in-law. You know, first time. In my, I was dating my, my wife now, but at that time I first traveled to Samarang to meet my parents-in-law, and we're all in the same car, meeting for the first time, trying to impress them. And then right in front of us, there's a pedicab, becha, you know? And went into the ditch, and then the, the becha guy, the, the, the becha driver, flipped several times into the ditch also, and I was laughing. <laughs> and then the, the whole car was silent in horror, like, what kind of animal is trying to come into our family? <laughs> and then I was, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> to me, it was funny. To them, it's not funny. They're so concerned. Is he okay? I was just, that was a funny flip. <laughs> so that's a testimony how your cheer might be in the wrong place. So yeah, God loves a cheerful giver. But are you sure you're always right about your condition of your heart? So, I, you know, I don't know if you notice or not, but uh, the girl in the in the announcement, Emily, right? I don't know if you notice the difference now when she talks about about the offering. It used to be every week, every Sunday, she's always say. We do, not, we do not want to give out of obligation. God gives a cheerful, you know, loves a cheerful giver. And I told her, like, hey, 
every Tuesday night, I have an obligation. I have to take out the trash because Wednesday morning is trash day. What is, why is your generation so sensitive about obligation? Oh, obligation, obligation. Why, why are you such snowflakes? Some obligation is good because it teaches you to think right. You see a red light on the street? Stop. Don't bother with how you feel about that red light. You are obligated to stop when it's red. So some obligation is good for you. So now she doesn't say that anymore. So I'm not completely out of the picture yet. I'm still bothering people in the background. I don't like this announcement thing. God loves a cheerful giver, but make sure your cheer is in the right place. Can you, can you give out of an obligation and still be cheerful about it? Yeah, if, you learn to, if, you, if you're willing to learn. So your giving should not be dependent on your cheer. Your cheer should be dependent on the word of God and obeying the word of God should make you cheerful. A good example is Paul, like in Acts chapter 20, that whole, this beautiful passage from 17 to 38. It's a long passage, but that's one of the most epic. Uh, I love that, that whole section there because he was saying goodbye to the elders in uh, Ephesus. He was passing by in Miletus. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a seaport. And uh, it says that he doesn't want to go to Ephesus even though he wants to, but because it's going to take too long because he's so consumed by the, by the you know, by the trip that he has to take. And so, so he stopped in Miletus. And, but he, 36 miles north is Ephesus. So he's, he, told, he, he called for the elders to come. And then he gave his farewell. It was a tearful farewell. Because I, you will never see me, see my face again. Because I'm going to Jerusalem to give myself for the work of the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to die there. And you, you will never see me again. And then he was giving them the, the last things, that important things that for me to live, uh, for uh, my, my life is worth nothing just so that I can accomplish the, the, the will of the Lord in my life, which is to preach the gospel. Beautiful, beautiful things. And then he said, take heed of the church because they belong to God who has shed his blood for them you know beautiful passage there Acts chapter 20 and then one of the famous verses there is that it is better to give than to receive it's better to give than to receive but talking about cheerful giver it's not always natural cheer in verse 18 so when the elders arrived he declared you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. Sometimes giving, <laughs> there's tears. 
not always cheerful. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs, even the needs of those who were with me. And I've, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He was admonishing them. This, this whole passage is about giving. Giving yourself. Giving yourself for the cause. Giving your hard work for the work of the kingdom. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But there are tears involved. Because we're still in the flesh. Learning to become more to become more aligned with the kingdom of God. So don't turn that whole thing, don't turn that whole process upside down. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. No, you should feel the, 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 the right way. You should do the right thing until you feel the right thing. Not the other way around. Don't feel then do. Do then feel. Do because of obedience. Then you feel the cheer after that. Having lived this long, I know there are times that there are tears, but deep inside there is joy because I know I'm doing the right thing what the Lord asked me to do. And in time, my emotions starts to become more aligned, more aligned with the truth, with the way, with Jesus. I'm learning how to change and to become more like Him. And that's our journey. Hallelujah. So last point. Oh, I'm only on number two, my goodness. <laughs> Not doing too well here. But I think my what I'm what I'm sharing with you is important. Number two, you can give without being sincere, but you cannot be sincere without giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And number three, God cares less about the amount of our giving and more about the attitude behind it. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were, in, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to one does not have. That's, that's, a, that's a great statement there. Willingness. God cares less about the amount, but God cares more about the willingness the attitude behind it. Amen. So obviously I ran out of time to talk about this last ver the last slide that I throw in there. If you really want to learn, you really want to grow in the area of giving, to align your heart according to, then you should be a student and dig into the, in the Word of God. How can I give? How can I train myself to give so that I can become the person that you want me to be. So I just told this steward, stewardship tests. There are several types of giving. Tithing, first fruit, alms, 
sowing seed. You know, tithing is the, is the most basic of it all because it's only obedience that is being tested. So the motive tested is faithfulness, obedience. And the reward is protection and blessings. I could teach uh, several hours on this alone and give you all the scriptural reference. And maybe you should just dig it up yourself. But then once you graduate from that, the next level, first fruit, once a year, only for Christians, because you're giving thanks for the harvest that you're, you, you are about to, to reap that, that year. The motive tested is thankfulness. And the reward is that your harvest will be preserved. The next level, alms. Motive tested is compassion because God wants you to, to have His heart of compassion. Alms is giving to the poor. I give you an example today. Sponsor a child, sponsor a family. Or that, that whole world harvest thing. It's just giving to the poor. And the reward is he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord who will always repay you back. Don't, don't mix this up, you know. Because some, sometimes the verses for certain category, people mix it up. Like, if you're tithing, don't, don't, don't think that your tithe is like lending to the Lord. It, when you tithe, that money doesn't belong to you in the first place. So if you give it, you're just not being a thief. That's all. So don't start banging on God's doors like, Hey, I tithe. Where is my... <laughs> it's not appropriate. And then sowing seed. This, this is sowing seed. Like you, you, you give to, to, uh, to start a church or something like that. that you have faith that it's going to bear much fruit for the kingdom. And the reward is multiplication, 30, 60, 100 times. So don't give a tithe saying, I tithe, now I want my 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. That 30, 60 times, 100 times, it's not for tithe. It's for sowing seed. Right? You have to know the difference of all these things. So I'm just mentioning this so that you start thinking about, maybe I should study more about all these things so I can grow in my giving. So I can grow in my calling. So I can grow in how God can use me through the resources that I'm a steward of. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. Bless the word so that it will take root in our hearts and produce heavenly fruit for the kingdom. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.